Update on that. Um, Ana de Armas updates tweeted just today that Twitter account that got that Ana de Armas herself got mad at and blocked because yes. they <laughs> called them out for not mask wearing during that period. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I know, that was why. <laughs> the person behind Ana de Armas updates just met her at a red carpet event and posted. Yeah. He is aware of Ana de Armas updates. <laughs> <laughs> their friends again. Maybe she'll unblock. I don't know. I hope so. It's like, is that the end of our segment? Ana de Armas updates, updates. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so funny though. Like the picture of hers, her going like, uh, like, yeah. like she's like, oh, it's you. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, speaking of, uh, I don't that. Let's start the episode. Click. Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to lose it. I've been meaning to listen to lose it. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Time to time to for me to drink this water. What is happening? Is there a new segment? Welcome to Need to Listen to No, that's not gonna be in the episode. I just need to drink water. I think it should be. Like time for me to drink this water. Reverent silence, reverent silence, reverent silence, reverent silence. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a social media clip, too. Uh, but welcome to the show. <laughs> like, well, we got a great guest here today. She's a writer at Them, as well as a co-host of the hilarious comedy analysis podcast. You should see the owner guy. It's Jennifer Culprit, everybody. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Hello. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> I'm so oh. happy. How yeah, much water do you drink? You seemed like, yeah, like, like, like yeah. I seem hydrated. I used to uh, be on more of a Sean water drinking schedule, yeah. uh, coffee in the morning and then sparkling water in the afternoon. But that was when I lived in Tennessee. And since I moved to Phoenix last year, just to survive you, I, I've got a 24 yeah. ounce bottle I carry around and I drink it all day. I probably go through it five times at minimum (laughs) and eight times more regularly. And that's just, you know, to maintain survival level. So I think it's just Mm -hmm. not even that hydrated for Phoenix. Maybe. Yeah. It depends on the scale. Did you move to Phoenix because like you wanted to be reminded of Ben Affleck's back tattoo? (laughs) How did you guess? It's sad, you know, now that he's with JLo again, end of an era. How can I remember the tattoo? And I'm going to move to Phoenix. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We're here to talk about Nine Inch Nails. Um, (laughs) Clearly. uh, (laughs) As all this intro. We we moved up from the back and like down to the hand to the nails. Nine of them. (laughs) There you go. Excluding the thumb. Um, But like. Um, by the way, here's a joke in case I don't like it. More like nine inch nails on a chalkboard. So, anyways, like, what are your like <laughs> Sean? Like that physically hurt Sean, that joke. Um, but like <laughs> let's talk about preconceived notions about nine inch nails. Uh uh, Michael, let's turn to you first. What are your thoughts on what were your <laughs> thoughts on them before? I don't know. I'm like my brain is rotted by like growing up Christian. So I always thought nine inch nails was like referencing 
Jesus being crucified. I think which that's is- like the 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 per- like people ask him what does it mean nine inch nails. I think that's like the reference, like because that nine is inch nails and yeah, I think that's what it or like it might be like he also said it's a cool nin is cool like that's pretty cool, but also like people have speculated it's also this like it's also a double meeting and stuff like that. Okay, so. well if that's it, it sucks. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just I didn't know that much. I always thought they were like harder core so i never really listened to it um and i was right (laughs) Uh, the singing though uh surprised me i thought it was going to be like screamo and it's not screamo Mm. it's there's like like one song that's kind of like that yeah yeah but it's still very listenable it's not like screamo up front you know what i mean Mm -hmm. which i find very tough to consume so anyways it's it's like it's interesting because it's it is like more like noisy, but like in a not noisy way. It's like, noisy in like a musical way. I find it very yeah. musical to listen to. Anyways, uh, my preconceived notions of the band, very little. Thought they were like kind of Christian-y, but also maybe like satanic. I don't know. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know. So that was very little, <laughs> I'm going to say. Well, I put them on our uh, bracket in May. I voted for it. Sean, I know. I think we... One. <laughs> I think we like had an Instagram moment. I see you had like you you like commented on our like thing. You, you had a conversation in our comments about nine inch nails and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because we became Instagram friends. Andrew said that we weren't allowed to become friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, so like I, I put them on the playlist or the bracket because I didn't really know much about them. I'd heard like like I knew Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross from uh, you know, social network. And mm-hmm. girl with the dragon tattoo, and mm-hmm. I loved what they did with the soundtrack for that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the perfect like, <laughs> like I thought it was a perfect choice for the social yes. network of that like yes. underlying darkness to the the whole thing, you know. And um, I'd always heard about the like nine inch nails like snare sound of that like noisy snare that they use in their songs and stuff. So I've heard a lot about their like sound design part of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, this was. I'm glad we're doing this playlist. Because I like a lot of these songs. I'm on the elder end of the millennial scale, right? Um, Not the tip top, but the the last Gen Xers graduated high school the year before I came in as a freshman. Mm -hmm. So I've been aware of Nine Inch Nails pretty much my whole life. But as that that was what the cool scary older chicks in floral print dresses and combat boots listen to, you know, and had their little nin stickers on their, you know, their cars parked outside the high school and stuff. And like Michael, I am a church survivor. So, <laughs> we, we, we're, we exist. We're here. I was definitely aware of the, it refers to the, it's blasphemous and it's about the nails and Jesus's hands and, and all that stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I grew up in a town. I remember somebody at my church, like white zombie played in, in our city once when I was probably in like third or fourth grade. And at church, they told us that as part of uh, White Zombie's live act, that Rob Zombie kills a puppy on stage and <laughs> the audience. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is what I'm growing up with, right? Like my, you know, young impressions of Nine Inch Just Nails. Just being told straight up obvious lies. <laughs> <laughs> and buying into them wholeheartedly. Right, right. I'm like, I would tell my friends, I'd be like, 
did you know that they killed he kills puppies like (laughs) (laughs) i i remember so strongly i'm sorry i'm not gonna derail you too long but when i was growing up i had this math tutor who helped me with math i was homeschooled as well but i had this math tutor who helped me with math and i found out she wasn't a christian so i told someone else she wasn't a christian i don't know why (laughs) and i i she got mad at me and stopped tutoring me and like told all the moms to like be mad at me too like i was like this is crazy but then my mom was like proud of me because it was like you were trying to be a good witness. Like, You're a God warrior. Yeah, I don't know. Was it like all bad what, things? <laughs> did, you, did the fact that like the plus signs weren't like extended at the end to look like crosses? Okay, I could tell. I took the pencil from her hand and said, "Let me see that." <laughs> Every equation she made me do added up to six hundred sixty-six. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so my I had to do all my equations in blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I didn't start to fall out with that life until I was a teenager, starting to become a little bit more cognizant about the world around me already for one. And two, I started to hit puberty and realized that the church treats women like shit. Like you just mm-hmm. can't get away from it. You know, you mm-hmm. you try to you know, be good and and do what you're supposed to or whatever. I played keyboard for my church youth praise band mm. and was sort of unknowingly serving as like a collective girlfriend for the other four dudes in the band with me, minus the making out, you know. Um, they got really mad when I started dating another uh, guy at school who liked to wear, you know, black bands tees and he liked to listen to the screaming trees and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. They, uh, my church youth group held a prayer circle for me and uh, to about my my falling down the dark path without asking me about it or asking my permission or anything. It was an odd thing. Anyway, this this guy confronted me after we had come back from some little church youth thing in the van. We were standing out in the parking lot and he told me, I never would have expected this of you, said the exact words. You're going down a dark path now and then finished it up with you listen to crap like system of a down now. (laughs) (laughs) The most insulting stinger to that list. I was so offended because I had not listened to system of a down. So (laughs) I went home that night and I was not going to be, you know, do the punishment for the, do the time without doing the crime. So I got on iTunes and downloaded toxicity and then I came back to school on Monday in AP U.S. history and was all like, the American prison system is corrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Radicalized by the prayer circle. Yeah. Radicalized by listening to System of Down's toxicity after the prayer circle. A few more years passed, I guess a couple more years. I I grew up a little more. I was in college. I had not, I, I was super into like, into tool in high school i still am a fan of queens of the stone age kind of that yeah that group of music you know yeah. that there, there are a lot of overlapping fans in anyway i was in a bookstore and i still have this i spotted this magazine cover bum, wow bum. prop cover of revolver with trent reznor Looking deeply uncomfortable with wig-like hair on the front. Very emo. His eyes are yeah. like less visible than Violet from The Incredibles. Like, oh, yeah. it's- they are almost invisible. 
check out this one inside. Okay, look, he looks like emo Clive oh Owen. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> this is such a period piece. <laughs> this was incredibly appealing to 19-year-old Jen Call. So he was back in action. This was to promote With Teeth in 2005, um, which was the first album he had done since The Fragile in 1999 and the first one that he did since he got clean. So uh, that was my sign. This is my time to listen to Nine Inch Nails. And I dove heavy into the entire discography um, that was available at that time. And so it really defines a lot of that next probably four years of my life. I listened to Nine Inch Nails a lot. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan, went to see them in concert a lot. Was it like, what kind, like, what about the music that you like? Was it more just that it was like kind of like counter? to what was popular, I guess. not popular, but like counter to the church stuff or that, yeah. that has a lot to do with it. Nine okay. Nails in my experience kind of is the, and, and Reznor himself, it's the music of disaffected former church youth group members who grew up to be, you know, bisexual anti-capitalists. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Awesome>. Right. <laughs> And uh, I I was incredibly angry, understandably, about a lot of things at that mm-hmm. period of my life. Um, so that spoke to me a lot. Yeah. And uh, I like that, you know, I think that Michael and I fall on opposite sides. Of, you know, he was comparing it to a Sonic game, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, love, I love a song that sounds like the background music of a factory level in a Donkey Kong Country game, <laughs> the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo. So it's just kind of a perfect, you know, coalescing of all these um, these interests. And as we'll speak about probably some more with some of the songs I chose, um, some of the. I was also in a phase of dealing with a lot of internalized misogyny and figuring out how to cope with that and grow out of it. And a lot of this music was a powerful tool for me during that. Wow, period. that's awesome. Huh. That rules. Okay. That is that's- cool. Yeah, thank you for sharing all that. Like, it's really, that's, yeah. I love these episodes where we have guests on to like talk about bands and pick the songs that they want to talk about because we it gives like insight into talking about people and talking about like specific things as opposed to like like we had Jaquise Nealon to talk about uh Jason Mraz. And mm-hmm. uh I was like, why are you bringing Jason Mraz to the podcast? Right. But yeah. it's like this is so fun. Like I <laughs> much prefer the context to like let's do blah 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 like it's very interesting so Mm -hmm. yeah like because like i and i like those episodes to the of like hey all four of us or all three of us or blah 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 we don't know anything about this person let's try it like let's try Mm -hmm. it together Mm -hmm. um but also like this is like i like having a guide i like having someone who knows more and stuff like that um yeah as for me my preconceived notions are i saw those nin stickers and i was very insulted because i thought it was short for nincompoop (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, I like, um, I like, I went to my bed and I cried because I, if you can read hurt. this, you're driving too close. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. Okay. So like, um, it's, this is actually very funny because I realized that this, unlike my, when I tell my music backstory, it's that in senior year of high school, I got into Childish Gambino. I got into Frank Ocean. I got into like some of the, uh, you know, Eminem and stuff like that. But one I forgot about when I tell this story is I listened to the social network soundtrack like a lot. <laughs> like, 
Yeah. Which is like really like funny to, because I think the thing I, the, the reason why is like, I think I saw the movie one time and I liked the movie. Uh, I like it even more now. It's like, I think it's fantastic, but like um, the idea of people, like I looked on the internet, like what's good music to study to for like a push yeah. or like whatever. Um, and like, Nine Inch Nails, like the uh, social. You said, I got to be like Zuck. I got to be like Zuck. (laughs) Mark Zuckerberg only wears one outfit every single day. So it doesn't actually waste time making decisions in the morning. (laughs) Like, like, it was like, that was um, an album I would listen to while I was like, do it because it's like, and the dun, 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 dun. Hand covers blues. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's like. I think that's uh, iconic and you so unique as a film score, like as like, yeah. you know, like, you know, as opposed to like a Hans Zimmer's score, which I love too. Um, but like whenever I see Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross on a film score, I generally know I'm going to like the score and I generally know I'm going to like the movie generally because like they, mm-hmm. they're pretty selective, just like they work with David Fincher and they did like Soul last year, which is like, that's a great score. Mm-hmm. Um which is an interesting choice too. Um, but yeah, like, um, and the other one is like, I remember hearing Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, oh, of course. Episode yeah, of, yeah. yeah, from an episode of Rick and Morty, which is an embarrassing <laughs> sentence that came out of my mouth. <laughs> like, I, Your favorite show, Pickle, Andrew is dressed up like Pickle Rick right now. Yeah, <laughs> Pickle Rick. Like, um, but like, yeah, like, uh, he's so funny. He's a pickle. Um, but like, <laughs> oh, man. And then, love like, that guy. <laughs> And then I also listened to like the after the Rick and Morty episode, I listened to the full song and I was like, it's a really beautiful song, but it's like I would describe it as like jump scare music because like <laughs> the first two verses are really beautiful. And there's like, like third verse. And then my other preconceived notion is like that, like what was my and my worry was like, oh, no, this is incel music. Like this is music for like. Which is like, but it's like also funny because a lot of the fans I know of Nine Inch Nails, like you and Amber, um, Amber Valentine, former guest, um, uh, they were like cool, like, you know, punk gals and like all like a lot of people like that, like and like they they're the opposite of like incels, basically. So I find that very interesting. But like there's this like meme uh, about like the incel like uh, music compass where like it's like all the band like the all the lightning rods for like incel type music where like uh it's like there's like four quadrants there's misogynist horny misanthrope and sad <laughs> like <laughs> and like sad like sad misogynist is the smiths like horny misogynist is like kanye west like horny misanthrope is nine inch nails so it's like kind of like that like <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny it's like there's like more which pokemon type are you <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah what's your starter pokemon <laughs> like what's your starter yeah, insult yeah, type yeah. um but like but i also like realize like oh it's not like completely like maybe that's an element of it like maybe and that's always going to be a thing if something becomes popular like it's going to be ruined by man it's going to be ruined by extremists it's going to be like you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, like the Bible, like all these things are like kind of like, <laughs> like cool things. <laughs> yeah. Like, that list ending the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Well, we yeah. just got done with our prayer circle. That's why it took us a second to let you into this call. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. Let me in yet. Uh, <laughs> Lord, 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 please bless this recording. Um, but like, <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's really like my preconceived notions. Um, yeah. Like, is there, <laughs> Jen, like, do you have like a, um, uh, we, I kind of like mentioned to you, I was like going to like kind of bring up like, oh, like, oh no, this is incel music and stuff like that to you. Uh, I was wondering if you had like a specific like take on that, like as someone who's like been in the scene and such. For sure. For sure. The, the nine inch nails scene. The nine, the nine, the nine inch nails <laughs> scene. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is a lot of music about incel tendencies, I guess, in the nine inch nails catalog, um, admittedly. And in, well, I almost said in most, but um, even starting out, if you go back to Pretty Hate Machine, which since we were listening to a limited amount of tracks for this playlist today, I didn't put you all through that one. That is extreme. And don't get me wrong. I love that album. I adore it. It was great to be introduced to it as a teenager um, coming out of the church, you know, Um mm-hmm. But it is much more adolescent than his later work. It really is like the the diary of a, you know, an 18-year-old churchgoer who just started wearing black lipstick and his 19-year-old golf <laughs> girlfriend got him into the club downtown, you know, like it. <laughs> and and so he he sings a lot about things that he doesn't necessarily endorse and will place himself um, in the position of narrator often for impulses and ideas that he is not yeah, necessarily saying is a good thing. This is a great thing. But then of course, like you said, it gets popular. People listen to it out of context. And then you have incels turning up to the show along with feminists. So mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a less so, I think though, the, the Nine Inch Nails fandom in my experience, which of course I came in starting in 2005. So it's like, old people by then, you know, uh, <laughs> respectively has, has always been incredibly friendly. And I yeah. find that a lot of, um, sort of elder statesmen, I guess, in the the fandom who are men have been very good about policing against shitty guys getting That's in. And awesome. The, the yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not across the board, I'm certain that people have had bad experiences, yeah, but, yeah. but it's sort of one of those cases where, and with I, I have a lot of familiarity with the, you know, the albums that I was into at that age, because good God, it's our, in the the Audis, you know, uh, coming out of high school when I did hanging out with the guys that I did. I didn't say a word about the video game they were playing unless I had you know, the entire, what would now be the Wikipedia article memorized, you know, you want to have all the facts, you want to name three songs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so in, in uh, listening to Nine Inch Nails, that has been kind of wielded as an asset, I guess, a little bit more that um, misogynists who were coming in without understanding the meaning behind the music are not likely to receive a warm reception from people who are fans of the entire mm-hmm. catalog. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. And, I think we'll speak of like let's talk about this like while we discuss this song. So yeah. like um uh so yeah, Jennifer, like let's start let's start listening to this playlist. Uh what's the first song you want to talk about? So the first song that I put on the playlist is All the Love in the World from the 2005 album with Teeth. Click. Do you get all the love in the world? Do you get all the 
but yeah. <laughs> so I put that one, I chose that one first because that is the album. That's the era when I first encountered Nine Inch Nails and the first that I became familiar with. And also because I wanted to bring up the entire religion aspect. Um, oh. So much of Nine Inch Nails music is you know, a reaction to, he grew up as a church kid. And particularly if you listen to pretty hate machine, I mean, good Lord, it's, you know, it's very explicit there. So not so much material wise on with teeth. It is more, it's the album that he wrote while he was, you know, getting into into recovery. And a lot of it is about um, getting, you know, clean from substance abuse and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think that Nine Inch Nails kind of has this vaunted reputation as taking industrial sound and setting it to a pop music structure. Mm -hmm. And there definitely is something to that. And I think particularly with um, the tracks off of Pretty Hate Machine, that that's a very good description. But I think coming out of the church that there's a lot of worship music influence. And I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to leak into talking about future songs, but I even think that about like the choruses of a lot of these songs, they're so singable in like a, anybody at like, you know how like church songs, anyone needs to be able to be like, ah, 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 ah. Mm-hmm. like can't be too hard. But like, you know, I want to fuck you like an animal. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it's so like, easy to say. Like, with worship music, <laughs> I'll go like to that element. church. <laughs> <laughs> because like yeah, with a lot of worship music, you want to like create like an atmosphere and like a meditative atmosphere with like worship and like this like level and calm and stuff like that. This uh, and catharsis as well. So, yeah, I, I absolutely see it. Very much so. Mm-hmm. The the repetitive choruses that, you know, and yeah, like Michael was saying, it's simple and it repeats so much that even if you haven't heard it before, you learn the lines on the first couple repetitions till you're able to sing along. Seeing seeing Nine Inch Nails live is very much mm-hmm. like a tent revival for the right. winter you know, jam people who aren't in. Yeah. <laughs> People who prefer the, you know, clashing factory sounds, jump scare music, as Andrew called it, who, you know, are angry at the church as a system and still feel beholden to God, even as they want to defy him, you know, Um, Mm. very cathartic, you know, sort of instead of standing there and raising hands, you know, you jump around and like knock each other around in the pit and whatever. But (laughs) yeah, so I, I feel like all the love in the world is a really good example of that when the keyboard comes in and then there's a fucking tambourine on this one like <laughs> yeah. yeah it sounds kind of like a praise song <laughs> i never would have like picked up on that and like i'm i'm just listening to it like the end section of it again and i'm like oh it's it is very like clap your hands clap your hands like and then like i think like the pianos like uh because like with like some of these some of these bands like this noise like kind of noise and industrial thing it's like um the worry sometimes it gets cacophonous it gets like well that's cool that you did that but like it's like unlistenable and stuff like <laughs> yes, that yes, yeah, yes like but like this is incredibly listenable like the idea of and like the pianos like the like the pianos he introduces in the song kind of it's it's almost like a reminder of like oh i know how to write a song i'm just adding all this interesting stuff too like and there's like <laughs> this really beautiful melody and it's like um and I want yeah. to add too, I love how like spaced out this song feels. Like it doesn't feel like it's like I am leaving the room to like play all these ideas that I have in here. Like it sounds like 
a movie soundtrack and it sounds like a song you can sing along to all at once. It's like atmospheric. I really like this first song. This is I love this one. He spoke um, quite a bit at the time about how he didn't want this to be a, a boring air quotes recovery novel, or recovery novel, recovery album, because I guess there are, you know, things that pretty much everybody goes through sort of a certain st- like the stages of grief, you know, the stages of recovery or whatever. And he wanted to express that in a way that made sense for him. And this song in particular, I always heard as, um, uh, you know, you can interpret it in a lot of ways. The why do mm-hmm. you get- world line about himself you know and his position as a celebrity and about the enablement but um about uh, about alcohol mm. it hits me hard when he describes at the beginning the uh, you know the jagged edges being smoothed out and you know going from that stage of awkwardness to being able to feel like you can converse with people and um ooh, and it's a great opener for the album i think if you like this song you would probably enjoy the entire album some of the more uh, incel attituded people existing as adults at that time uh, liked to uh, like to shit talk about with teeth when it came out that, you know, that, oh, this isn't as good as his old stuff. This is, you know, and because you can hear an actual piano instead of he's playing the keys on synthesizer or whatever. And mm-hmm. anyway, I think that it rules and particularly the last three tracks, if you just listen to all of them together. So good. Let's uh, go to the next track. Uh, What's this next song you want to talk about? All right. The next song is called Last. To to place this in context, um, you need to know. Well, you don't need to know, but you can know what was happening. (laughs) Very polite way to provide information on a podcast. May I? I'm requesting permission to give you this information. (laughs) So the uh, Pretty Hate Machine was recorded in like 1988 and released in 1989. That's the one where, you know, there's the the famed myth about, well, I I don't think it's a myth. I think it's, you know, but it's kind of grown to mythological status about how uh, Trent worked as a custodian in a recording studio to be able to have access to the, you know, the equipment to record it and everything. But he had a shit ton of, of um, drama with his, his publishers and stuff. They wanted him to release another poppier sounding album with fucked up lyrics you know kind of like the, the first one and he was more interested in growing as an artist and doing something new that his first the the company who uh, put out his first album was like most known for doing like television advertisement jingles oh. which is kind of incredible oh. that they went from i don't know doing like <laughs> cat food commercials or whatever to you know we're gonna take a chance on this michael trent Reznor kid it's right. <laughs> <laughs> we really, we, we want to we really want to branch out to from, scaring from, the hose music <laughs> like from Duracell to incel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they they were refusing to let him record the music that he wanted. He was having a whole understandable shit fit about it. So he toured for the first album for like five years or something. Like wow. a crazy making period. Um, he went from like twenty two. He's twenty six by the time. So he that he and his manager set up like a a shell record label and then they like got it released through Interscope or something but the broken EP was all recorded like while he was touring for Pretty Hate Machine and it is angry as fuck because he was this is like the screamo song and probably the one I like the least out of these songs I'm so sorry but uh <laughs> okay. uh 
it, this one only clicked for me when I was exercising and was listening to this like this playlist otherwise just sitting and listening i was kind of like this (laughs) for me it's a little too too much for like you know it's like that skeleton that blurry (laughs) skeleton i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) oh that like you drank too much caffeine yes (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) this is like real pent-up carnal horniness that's kind of unappealing (laughs) it's like it's like it's um but i think there's something to be said about maybe it's the job of these rock stars to be these weird at least present like this weird misanthropic view so that normies like us can just like get it out of our system and stuff like that you know like i think there's something to be said about just like um because every feeling any feeling you could ever have has been experienced by someone else and it's like beautiful the idea of like oh my god this other person and someone like trent reznor or someone like blah 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 feels this way too or like has these like you know he's horny feelings or angry feelings or anything sad feelings and stuff like that um so yeah i think that's i and it's art you know it's like you know it's not supposed to be taken like the most seriously all the time but yeah i could it's like the the downside is like it emboldened that that could also like lead to people feeling emboldened and that leading to like, you know, but like, there's something to be said about like some sad guy, like sitting, sitting, <laughs> sitting down and listening to this, you know, like, and just like going, I feel better after getting, I feel better after listening to this and now I'll like go to my job at Kinko's or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that used to sad be- job. In 2006, I didn't have my little iPod mini that I got yet in 2007. So I had an like a jogging anti-skip CD player that I carried with me everywhere to listen to my headphones. And I would be, and so you, I would only, could only pick one CD at a time, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like a big decision for the day. What would you take? And I was so, so I was just like walking around all the time. And like, I am capable of looking like a real normie, like, especially without dyeing my hair and stuff, like at that age in that era. And I was just kind of walking around smiling at people, like with this in my ears, like all day long. (laughs) (laughs) They don't know I'm listening to Last by Nine Inch Nails. (laughs) In that same era of my life, that same like skip free, you know, CD player with batteries and stuff. My album I carried around with me was Demi Lovato's second studio album. <laughs> and I am deeply embarrassed by that fact. That's probably my most embarrassing thing I've ever shared on this podcast. So. It's so funny because it. like, it's like watching, looking at Michael and Jennifer is like a sliding doors of like, what kind of yeah that was yeah. literally the factor otherwise we were like pretty much living the same same tracks it's like demi stopped me in my tracks <laughs> what about you like sean what do you think of this song it's i would say it's i mean it's not my favorite on the playlist i i do tend to lean more towards the like atmospheric like sound design kind of songs um i think those are a little more up my alley a little more interesting to me um I don't know. I think this is fine. I'm just not a huge like heavy metal like kind of fan. Um, also, like I don't know some of these songs. Like, so is this song literally about just like sex? No. 
Um, somewhat, but a lot of it is stuff directed towards the, you know, the record label he was pissed at as well. And a lot of the, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, with wish that's off of the same album where he's with the band in the cage and all the people who are going to like rip their limbs apart and stuff are like yelling Mm -mm. from outside and they're Yeah. So Hmm. it's, it's kind of a mix again of the depressed, horny anger, you know, uh, All together, so there's, yeah. uh, Yeah, what's this next, like, yeah, like, let's talk about Closer. Click. You let me violate you. You let me desecrate you. You let me penetrate. So the downward spiral, and then he's gotten his record label issues sorted, and um, is kind of coming more into his own as an artist. And this one was a little more planned and less reactive maybe than the first two albums. And it's a concept album about a guy having a downward spiral that was supposed to end in death by suicide. Uplifting um, stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Fun. <laughs> so Closer is obviously the most famous Nine Inch Nails track by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's a bop. Um, <laughs> like somebody, I was surprised by like how, how how danceable some of these songs are, mm-hmm. you know, like I like maybe not like a like a fun club, but like in like a grungy like you're on ecstasy and stuff like that, and like this plays and stuff like it's kind of more See, that vibe. Well, and the reason too, I ask about like oh, it was like with last, I was like, well, was a song about sex? Like closer is the one where it's like you listen to it and you're like oh this is about sex but then you look it up and everyone's like it's not about sex it's not, it's about, not sex. about sex <laughs> and you're like i don't know what this is what this is then <laughs> okay if not possibly then what like <laughs> well what do you like jennifer like, let's turn to you yeah. <laughs> it's a little and people get a little defensive about it. it's not about sex yeah. It's about wanting to fuck okay if it's not <laughs> actually about fucking like um, an animal <laughs> yeah fact. I think that's what uh, what Reznor was a little bit disappointed about at the time, though, was mm-hmm. wanted this. And and if you look at the context of the entire album, a lot of the other material about sex is not something you would want to emulate, per se. Right. And I think that he wanted to give off that impression that this is a fucked up person. This isn't what you're you're wanting to try to be like. This is not like a. Mm-hmm. Ooh, sexy, sexy, you know, color me bad. Like I want to sex you up song. It's about like some weirdo who's alone and isolated about somebody. And it's it's kind of, it's, it was meant to be sort of an incel song in, you know, a condemnatory way, not necessarily in a, you know, not an endorsement. Yeah. Depiction. Of course, you know, right. Here's the chorus. And like, I think there, I was, I was looking this up uh, in prep for the podcast and saw some, somebody interviewed Tommy Lee. uh, about (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. The best fuck song of all time. Of course. What are you doing with that? Like, you know, (laughs) it's also like funny. Like, I think it's um, my thesis on this song is that it's, he, it's like, he talks about sex, like, and self-loathing, like having this relationship together. That's not, like this horniness. Like maybe he's not having sex, but like this horniness and like this, you know, lust and stuff like that as an extension of self-loathing. And he's like treating his self-loathing like an STD, basically, of just like something to like transmit like my hatred of myself into this other person. <laughs> so they like 
it's like really like it's it's kind of messed up like and like <laughs> it's the but it's like it's like it's but it's honest it's like kind of like or just like it's the idea of just like yeah people are like some people are like this and stuff like that like, i think there's you know and like i also read into it like oh it could be about drug abuse it could be about you know just like maybe it's not a like a sex song it's like just like a self-loathing song or something like that it's like kind of more conceptual and stuff um i think the song is great. i think it's just like it's just also it just sounds awesome it's, it sounds mm, yeah, really it cool sound awesome. like it makes sense that he would transition into film scores and stuff. Uh, I know anything, a lot of people yeah. like this is what this is the song where it's like every like I've heard so many people say like, oh, I'm really trying to emulate that like nine inch nail sound that like mm-hmm. white noise, like snare sound like. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just a testament to like his this the sounds he can make. I don't know. <laughs> That's a bad way to put it. It's like, like that was such a good line about self-loathing as an STD. Oh, mm-hmm. That's like. Yeah, that could be like the lead in like a Nine Inch Nails essay. So good. Um, yeah, <laughs> and it's because like when you hate yourself, because and I like I'm working on that. Like I I I definitely like love myself way more than like even earlier this year and stuff like that. The idea of you e- either like if you hate yourself and you loathe yourself, you either self harm or you harm others. Like if you yeah. don't know how to process your trauma or the, these horrible feelings that like were not your fault and stuff like that then either like you either like internalize it and you hurt yourself like not even like physically just like you know emotionally like harass yourself and stuff like that or you go out into the world and then unintentionally or intentionally you hurt other people and like this is like kind of showing that like if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you gonna love somebody else? Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> up in here. Wow. Did you just come up with that? That's pretty good. Like, no. Oh I know, God. I know. Like, you right, know that's go. from RuPaul's I know. Okay, I know. Good. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> uh let's uh by the way, the uh as self-loathing as an STD is like from RuPaul too. Like yeah. uh, he, like RuPaul came up with that. Your yeah. inner saboteur. <laughs> so let's go to the next song reptile this this song and some others like it are how I process some of my own feelings about myself and my place in the world mm. and how people viewed me and what was expected of me. And looking at it now, listening to it, like I, I think Reptile is the heroine song here. Uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of the, you know, the devil speak of the way in which you manifest and a lot of the lyrics um, seem very applicable. And if you look at where it falls in the album, we've kind of moved to the injectable drugs period of of (laughs) songs on the album by then but also just the open articulation of misogyny rather than coding it under politer terms Mm. was very useful to me personally and i kind of at like age 19 i almost viewed this song aspirationally as being just it because after you grow up your whole life with 
you know, wearing a tank top with too thin of straps is tempting your brothers in Christ at the middle school church camp. You know, you really do think that you are a a flawed and sinful being for mm-hmm. serving as the object of someone else's desire. So for serving. <laughs> RuPaul again. <laughs> yeah. But so, so there's a lot of, I, I think that the way that I think that um, little Michael Trent, but he has a, he has a real understanding of that, that churchiness carries through so much of this and obsessions with, with purity and with sex as being something that you desire, but that is inherently sinful and is, is a form of, of self-harm kind of, you know, uh, carries through. So while I think reptile is probably actually more about, about heroin than a relationship with another human being. There's all that wound into it. He Ooh. uses sex as sort of a metaphor or a way to access lyrically other topics a lot. Yeah. No, it's just like hearing it. Like, I don't know. This is just not how I like processed the songs. And so it's like, so I, now I need to like go back and re-listen to him again and like hear it. Like listen differently. I don't know. It's the the way I processed the song. I was like, "Ooh, this song is scary." Shivers <laughs> 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 down my spine. <laughs> Ooky spooky scary. <laughs> I just reacts to things like an <laughs> animated baby. But okay, um, I, I I like this song in it. It sounds like the score, like it sounds like a score, like. Um, but the idea of it's almost like dissociative in his depressive state that like the instrumentation makes him sound like a Terminator. Basically, he's like so focused. He's so like, you know, like direct and stuff like that. And he's like. Uh, emotionless and cold like it kind of like makes me want to like take a shower for like indulging these feelings for like a little bit like it's like it's really like again there's something to be said about just like not sugarcoating what it is like not sh- pretending like you, you you know like not not giving a pg-13 version of this you know that's uh, that's totally. honestly a little more disturbing to like with like a pg-13 veneer or something like that it's like kind of you kind of see what uh, you know the major difference this is also interesting about so the downward spiral the album was recorded he lived in the house where sharon tate was murdered um while recording Whoa. the recording Jeez, studio please. in the house and at the and he's spoken out. He had uh, he had a lot of regret about it because when he came up with the idea to you know to do that, I guess when it came available to move in there and stuff, he was like, "Oh, cool, macabre, you know, a, yeah. a weird piece of American history." And then in L.A., like while he was still living there, recording to the album, he ran into Sharon Tate's sister, who mm-hmm. asked him point blank to his face. Do you think you're exploiting my sister by doing this, by living? And and he said that, like, in the moment he was like, oh, no, I didn't think of it like that. And then he went home and he fucking thought of it like that. And he was like, Mm. Jesus, like, what if this was my sister? Like, I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be putting off this image and be thought of this way, you know? So Mm. this, and I'm not, I'm not exhaustively an expert on his uh, 
relationship timeline with Marilyn Manson. Um, they were close when he began recording this album and when he, and they huge bust up, you know, they have grown into very different people. So you can see sort of the difference in Trent Reznor as a guy who adopted this as an artistic personality, you know, and is speaking about some of his own demons and some of his own stuff, but kind of has a persona um, to express it. And between Manson, who literally thought, this is fucking cool. This is how I want to live my life, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious why they fell out. Yeah, of course. Good, good, good job. Um, like, I, yeah, like uh, the song's pretty scary. That was pretty scary. I was scared talking about it. Uh, like, uh, any? Uh, let's move on to the next song. Like, we got, uh, I would we say go quickly to, yeah. before we move to the next song. I originally, when when we talked about doing this, and uh, Andrew asked me to put together a, a sampler platter, you know, and and with the thought in mind that this is sort of talking about you know, my own personal history with Nine Inch Nails and what is originally before I changed it to closer, I put the track Big Man with a Gun on there. And then the next day I thought about it. And I remember my beloved uh, millennial Gen Z Cusper friend, Sadie, my co-host on YSSTOG with Samantha, sometimes she is so rightfully appalled by things I will bring up from like the late nineties or early two thousands that seem very normal and just part of, and she's like, by God, like what is wrong with you? Like, you know, the first episode of gossip girl has an attempted rape and then they rehab that character immediately and turn him into a beloved hero of the series. Yes. Yes. And uh, so big man with a gun is a much more extreme example of if, if anybody, if goes after listening, listening to this podcast episode, listens to the whole album, very disturbing song, um, especially out of context. And I didn't want to do that to you guys. Yeah. It's like a, a, an awful, the same, same narrator, you know, on the downward spiral of the whole album, hurting himself, hurting everybody else who it, it kind of takes what's happening in closer and turns it into a much more aggressive, explicit rape at gunpoint fantasy. Oh yeah. I'm looking at these lyrics right now. Yeah. Uh, equating, you know, a, a gun and a, and a dick and whatever. And and that was, I, I went through a phase then where I would drive around in my car listening. I, I would, this was, I was on my roster, Polly by Nirvana. I had mm. a few that were of worse quality that have kind of fallen off, but sort of just singing along, trying to understand, I guess, why somebody would want to hurt someone like me in that way, you know, mm. from the other end. And, and I think that, that song is, it's a difficult listen and I would certainly not recommend, I wouldn't put it on a playlist. I wouldn't spring it on anybody, you know, uh, unannounced or anything without warning, but the way he delivers that I think is so well done, uh, kind of on his condemnatory from the inner point of view of the incel work where he's making it sort of sound like, the person brandishing a gun is sort of standing there pathetically with the dick in their hand, but the person standing there with the dick in their hand is doing something as dangerous as pointing a gun kind of at the Mm -hmm. same time. And the way it gets more out of control and he's getting screamy and out of control at the end, you know, it, ah, it's, it's just really powerful. And I think that the ones who punch of that and reptile sort of roundaboutly, explained a lot of shit to me and and the specifically the words he uses in big man with a gun when he when he's threatening is the narrator uh he's he says 
I can reduce you if I want. I can devour. And that line about, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can reduce you being the threat really hit me in a way that nothing to that point had explained to me in my life about that kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I, I, I'd like, I think also like I came from a Christian home too. And I think I probably had a similar reaction to the song Kim by Eminem, the song where he like details like murdering his wife and stuff like that and like kidnapping and stuff. And it's like, just like, there's like no rhyme or rapping on it. It's just like this really horrible horrorcore piece of art thing. And like, kind of just like more very, very explicit. And just like, I never heard anyone be that angry. I never heard anyone like, especially coming from like hyper sheltered environment and stuff like that. And like, I would not listen to that. I don't like that song now, but like, I think being exposed, like, like sensory, like deprivation, (laughs) like just like kind of like sensory overload of just like for the first time, a song like that. Um, like you can't understand it fully because nobody discusses it while people in that environment absolutely do it. But then if you're a person who's vulnerable there, you don't really know, you don't know that dynamic or how to protect yourself. So I'm not saying that mm. the song big man with a gun is going to be instructional and tell everybody how to, you know, solve sexual assault, but, but it right. was an important part of my personal journey. So I, I just wanted to yeah, give it of course. Yeah. Thank you. Uh yeah, let's uh let's go through these next three songs a little quicker. Like uh uh let's uh talk about just like you imagined. Click. Wow. Um, oh, you go first. Yeah, he's not talking on this. He's he's doing <laughs> instruments. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's doing instruments. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. it. This is very movie soundtrack as well. Similar to yeah. all that love in the world. It's it just sounds so cool. It's so like I love the descending just, piano. Like yeah, that's just really that cool. Synth sound is like fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. It's, so, yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. It's so futuristic. Yes. It's really like awesome. Then these like remind me of like Cyberpunk 2077. Like mm. it was what I wanted it to be. Like that's what this sounds like. Yeah. Yes. Any ah. yeah, just it's hard to talk about instrumentals. Like it's like kind of just like um part of it's like I don't remember, like I'm not listening to it right now. It's like hard to remember exactly how it sounds like when I'm not listening to it. Um, but yeah, anything to say about this one? This one is from the fragile, the the two the two disc on the CD days uh, uh, effort in 1999, and I remember I have a specific memory about this one from long before, from when I was probably like 14 when it when it came out. I was reading, I used to read uh, People Magazine and Entertainment Weekly every week. Then uh, I I don't know why my parents had a subscription, but that's what. Anyway, I remember. <laughs> saying about the fragile and even not being a nine inch nails fan as a kid i was like damn like way harsh ty they said that this this album was uh was bloated and self-indulgent with all the instruments <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted like the pure meat of the incel lyrics i guess <laughs> not the, the atmospheric music yeah 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 but I so love the goofy. fragile. It's magnificent. There's there's a lot of instrumental songs off of this one, and he's spoken about it since this. He was he was not in a very good way. He had hit his 
uh, he, he had hit his like early mid thirties by this point and was still heavily substance abusing. And it said, basically he just didn't have the words for a, a lot of mm. stuff. He kind of felt run out. So he wrote a lot of instrumentals and I think, and that's why I chose just like you imagine to talk about today is because I think that this is such, um, such a good foreshadowing of what he would go on to do with film scoring. And also because that's around that. I think that I had, I had heard it on the, this particular track on the full album had listened to it by this point, but I kind of had my favorite songs that had lyrics, you know, I had sort of picked out that I would listen to over and over again, but hilariously. So that's the year that 300, you know, this is Sparta, (laughs) you know, Frank Miller came out and this song was used in a trailer for it. And, uh, that's my first association. Oh, that's kind of cool. Not, Trent Reznor had worked on, he did the soundtrack for Natural Born Killers, I think back in the 90s. He's been involved no in for a while. Yeah. Um, but that that was my first association with Nine Inch Nails music and film. And it, wow, that's this song elevated that movie trailer so much. And it's oh, yeah. great to walk around and pretend you're walking in slow-mo, you know, in your headphones. Like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the next song is Capital G. Click. like so this is like this is like i think this is like actually a great piece of political art because i usually don't like political songs i think they can even if i agree with the message they could run into propaganda territory or just like kind of like a spineless like a song about like i hate trump is like kind of useless it doesn't really mean it it's no you know teeth to that that really mm-hmm. um you know it's it's as useless as a song about like i love trump and stuff like that you know um but the idea of and like the idea of a like the limit of a political song in general of like well a, a song isn't going to stop violence it's not going to stop war it's not going to stop it's good it's a guy going like i don't i don't like war and like it's kind of like that's the extent of it and stuff like that this is like way more challenging this is way more challenging it starts off with i push a button and elect him like it starts like first of all and also like the idea of like political songs are the opportunity to like for musicians to do their silly voice, like to do like their variety <laughs> show, of like, you know, Tim Robinson, just like doing his characters. And stuff like that. <laughs> You're like, I'm Mr. Bunny, Mr. Greedy man. Just like, you know, like, um, <laughs> like, oh God, that reminds me, there's a Les Claypool song called the toady man's hour, Andrew, that is an amazing example of that, of the, the goofy voice for the, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it starts off with like a pretty straightforward like Bush condemnation and stuff like that. Like, oh, like and like, oh man, people like we we have very little power in comparison and stuff like that. But then it goes into like I'm sick of hearing of the haves and the have nots have some personal accountability. Um the and like the idea of like there's many interpretations of that it could be like embodying like a conservative it could be like you know challenging liberal listeners and going like you you actually do you actually can do something you actually can do it could be kind of like about his own personal political apathy or just like some guy going like i'm sick of hearing about all that stuff i Mm -hmm. think it's really and then the idea of just like you're just 
something along the long the lines of like now nod your head because you know that i'm right like the idea of just oh, like yeah, yeah <laughs> the idea of just like <laughs> like it's like at worst like political songs are just like jerk off sessions it's just like them going like i'm right i'm correct right. And, so, and like no like you know i think this is more but i think this is more challenging of just like challenging the idea of a political song challenging the idea of just like um I, yeah, it's really cool but like what, what do you what do you what do y'all think of this song agreed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i mean yeah you kind of that being said i don't really care for his little rapping kind of thing yeah, but <laughs> my not my favorite but uh I think other than the, that, song, the song is compelling like it speaks about things yeah. that make you think but i i don't <laughs> like when singers do silly voices like <laughs> as opposed to andrew it's not like i'm kind of like okay. oh i don't like it either <laughs> like, like hey, earlier you said i love the silly voices <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're right i'm sorry um but like it's like it's it's also like it makes sense that he comes from like a christian evangelical background because there's a reason why there's very little good christian arts uh, because T- Toby Mac, that's it. Yeah, Toby Mac and like <laughs> Veggie Tales, like, but like the idea of like <laughs> Veggie Tales is good. But like the idea for Veggie Tales in this house, uh, Veggie Tales <laughs> knows how to write a song. I yeah. thought about making Hayden watch Veggie Tales the other day, and then realized <laughs> I was like, it was like a moment of pure lunacy I was having. I don't know what was going on. You gotta stick purely if you want to introduce your partner who didn't grow up with Veggie Tales to Veggie Tales. Silly songs of Larry, you, you know. Silly songs, yes. Well, it, and then, I, then I was like, never mind. We'll just listen to Adventures in Odyssey in the car next <laughs> yeah. time we're in the car. Never mind. Never mind. But like there's a re- the reason why there's very little good Christian art or conservative art is because it's preoccupied with evangel- evangelizing a message. It's not there's no interpretation to the arts. It's like, well, it's a one for one thing of like, you know, the blueberry is, you know, uh, Esther or something like that, you know, like the idea. <laughs> <laughs> or like it was an asparagus or something like that but like it's like the idea of um and that's why you shouldn't be greedy because madam blueberry was greedy and then her house flew and stuff like that right like, right you know it, but like with this it's like kind of um building i'm 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 talking way too much like just, no. <laughs> like but like yeah that's like kind of what i got from it i think it's really cool I think the reason that this one, and I, I picked this song specifically off the album, uh, off of Year Zero um, from 2007, because oh, I'm, it's not showing, I'm wearing my my Year Zero Art is Resistant mm. tea to talk today. Uh, so this, this one uh, he wrote while touring in support of With Teeth. And it is, it's obviously inspired by the W. Bush government. I mean, the capital G right there kind of feeds in as well with that. But the amazing thing about looking back at this album this year is recalling that year zero is another concept album about the year 2022 and where society oh, is going to be if we continue on the place that we were in 2006. So it's all about, it, it's all about white evangelicism destroying the nation pretty much. Is, oh, is oh, wow. Album. And there's some more fantastical elements that didn't hold up as well, but then kind of hilariously do in some ways. Uh, the the song Vessel on on there, it was supposed to like it was kind of a cyberpunk thing that expanded into they 
made a, an alternative reality game called Year Zero as well that went along with it, where there were websites and you could go do these things to like find phone numbers to call and get messages and collaborate with other people. They had some mm. secret shows that you could figure out how to get to that popped up and they would uh, leave MP3s of new tracks in the restrooms at some of the concerts that they did on the With T tour and that people That's found like a thumb drive in there and were like, oh, <laughs> I love that. Let me plug yeah. this thumb drive into my computer. Something you should definitely do all the time. <laughs> the thing people did in 2006 that yes, you yes. do today. I, I actually like do remember that. And I was like, let me put this thumb drive in my butt. And I was like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I remember that. I was oh, there. my <laughs> God. <laughs> so we have a little led to see. I think that he he very accurately called. And I think, of course, the history of. Uh, speaking about evangelicism in, in Nine Inch Nails music really went in this album's favor. Uh, you know, like he's he's got a deep understanding of that and that culture and kind of how it was affecting how people saw politics at the time. You know, there's some ups and downs on it. There's a the song, though, about how, you know, the populace is going to be drugged to go along, like, you know, with what's being done is so funny to me because we don't have an actual drug. We just have, like, little hits of adrenaline from Twitter, you know, that are... Mm-hmm. It, kind of keeps us in the same place as described in the album uh, hilariously with a little less, you know, in a little more mundane fashion, less drama. But then at the end, uh, aliens show up and, and and destroy us all. So we've still got a few oh, no. months on that <laughs> one. Like... Trent predicted it right. <laughs> kind of can't wait for that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm okay with yeah. that. Okay, so Echoplex is the next song and the final song on the Nine Inch Nails playlist or the NIN playlist. Click. Echoplex is from The Slip in 2008, and this is... Uh, this is around my last year of heavily listening to Nine Inch Nails before I sort of moved on from that period of my life and was doing other stuff. And and we'll talk about this some more in a minute. I'm not as familiar with the two most recent albums, um, though I've listened to a few songs off of them, uh, f- basically for that reason, because you kind of, you grow with something for a while and then you, it's not doing the same thing for you or you need a break from it because it was so intense yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know that you kind of like you check in with them as like, hey, what's this guy up to? Like, what's my buddy up to? You know, like exactly. <laughs> and so uh on, on that level, the the slip was an amazing album to kind of conclude on before taking a break from my relationship with Nine Inch Nails because it's much more well, for one, I I think that you will agree with me that Egoplex is a little easier to listen to than some of the earlier work. This this album mm-hmm. is definitely. Uh, a little poppier, a little boppier, and he's in a happier place. I think this yeah. is around the pop bop ratio is like much higher in this song. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, he had met his now wife at this point. I think you know he's he's audibly happier as a person, <laughs> and uh, and it kind of it, it ends on. There's a song called "Demon Sea." Like a, <laughs> like, I didn't notice. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, like, I think he's happier. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's a great album. And Echoplex I picked in particular basically because it's a bop and I wanted to end this little playlist on on something a little nicer. And also as a little kick in the ass to myself in this scenario that I've been in, like re- revisiting Nine Inch Nails and thinking about who I was, you know, 
10 plus years ago versus now. And, and especially since I, I made a cross country move, you know, in the COVID era and stuff and have been kind of isolated here. I I've shut down a lot of my, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I, you know, I, I still write for, for them, but I've done a lot of writing in the past that has now disappeared from existence, you know, that can't mm-hmm. be found publicly. I've, I've purposefully shut down a lot of my internet stuff and my accounts are locked and I've kind of limited my circles. And I thought that that was, and, and in a way, I think that it has made my life more peaceful and, and, you know, kind of clarified some things for me. But then at the same time, I think listening to this again was a little bit of a a kick in the ass for me when he's got those lyrics, of, you know, I'm safe in here, irrelevant. Uh, you know, you kind of shut mm-hmm. yourself off to such a point that you're not connecting anymore. So it's kind of a, a cheerful, boppy sounding song that maybe reminds me to not retreat to the tower so hard. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally. That. That's awesome. Wow. I, I don't get that at all. Yeah. What did you get? Uh, I got a rock. Like, <laughs> like, Charlie Brown. Yeah. Um, like we're immediately on the <laughs> ending time. Oh my god. I think like um what did I write? I think it's like kind of like cool like metaphor for loneliness, the idea of like the idea of just like my voice just echoes off these walls and you know like no one understands me and stuff like that. And then also like as a metaphor for being a musician and just like, you know, as a musician, my song is just like bouncing off the walls. You play at the party or something like yeah. that. And then you then but then it fades away and stuff like that. And this song's just about sex. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No and, and then like it's like, you know, it's really cool. Like it's like and the idea of just like we're capturing parts of our soul and putting them in recordings. The reason why we're doing this show, the reason why we're doing like social media, like prove we exist and stuff like that, so that they live on longer than us. And the, the idea of just like um and then like but still like there's an element of like it being like the titanic like at the end of titanic where rose is like he only existed in my mind you know like that that idea uh but yeah that's that's what i got from the song i like the room tone <laughs> like a little what bit, ha- like, what happened to the to those long nails in the end the old lady threw <laughs> them into the ocean <laughs> they had a pretty sweet when i i saw them and I guess in 2009, my friend Jessica and I went from, I, I got to see Nine Inch Nails because they toured a lot from the, you know, the 2005 through the, um, gosh, I mean, I guess straight on through there, there were tours for, um, for year zero and, and the slip, he continued touring throughout that too. And, uh, and then, but Echoplex, they wheeled out there's, it's always really interesting to go, uh, see them play live because, and it's yeah. evolved a lot over the years too, like there's more, a lot more musicians and backup singers and stage sets. They wheeled out this weird thing that looked like a big Vanna whiteboard. And we're all like, not in all the little lights during Echoplex. I always think about that now. Yeah. Okay. So now like, let's uh, get the final, like, I guess like, let's quickly summarize our thoughts on Nine Inch Nails. Now we got to listen to this. I really love it. I, I think this is so fantastic. Like this is like, they're really cool artists i like think the songs are bops um it was definitely challenging at first to listen to this so it was like a little like well it's not my not my jam but now that i like had a little more time to like really like see what they were trying to communicate and just like it like i was able to break through like my off 
my initial off-puttedness of it and go, oh, I I really this is I really mess with this a lot. So I yeah, I can't wait to and I'll probably like check out one of their albums. I'll probably go like, oh, like this is and like you I really like how you gave like several entry points if you like this one more that you could try this one for yeah. this album first. Totally. So yeah. A well curated playlist for sure. Um, yes, yeah, agreed. Yeah, I definitely right. want to like listen to like if I'm gonna go back and listen to these songs, like I want to listen to them in the context of the whole album. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I I love the like tone building of these songs. Like I think it's I just love how dark and moody they are. Um mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm definitely like this has intrigued me to the point where I do want to explore the rest of their music for sure. For sure. So exact same. I it's not my cup of tea at all. Uh, if I were to like pick music, like this was our sliding doors moment. You listen to Nine Inch Nails. I <laughs> yeah. Nine Ride. Like this whole week, I've been listening to Twice's most recent album, the K-pop group Twice. Mm-hmm. And so th- it was like, let me listen to this. I mean, let me listen to the song that's like, you know, pop, 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 pop. Like <laughs> the pop, bop ratio is like, really high and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but this this works great. And I really like this. And I am interested in listening to more, which is um a strong feat as listeners of the podcast will know i do not expand my horizons too often (laughs) i feel like i won a prize now i listened to uh the magnetic fields uh episode with samantha (laughs) and michael's uh if if the mixing had been a little different on that one album michael might have felt (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay i actually do think i would have liked that album better like i i'm serious if i could hear the words i think i'd have liked Mm -hmm. it better i think i would have advantage here though doing a sampler platter episode because if i had made you all listen to one album i probably would have picked broken and then you all would have hated it (laughs) (laughs) i will say the magnetic fields would have worked better as a sample platter episode too like i think um but anyways um sorry it's time to be real (laughs) 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 ah do it i did i did fascinated by that you have to tell me about be real when we finish recording because i'm so sick of instagram and I don't want to do TikTok. I think it's great. <laughs> it's a good app. <laughs> I'm going to join Be Real. I'm going to do this with you guys. Be Real's fun because I get to see it- like my friends doing inane bullshit, which I really enjoy. Like, because <laughs> that's what Instagram was at first. It was like, yeah, it's, it's like it's a post exactly like that. time to eat my sandwich. It's <laughs> like, you know, I'm five right. likes. <laughs> like, so it just, it forces you to like, unless you are going to take your picture later, which no one does because you'll get like, roasted for doing so right <laughs> like you have you have to take the picture within two minutes of getting the notification so it's like what am i doing right now i have one friend who either poops all the time or runs to the uh- toilet <laughs> to poop like when it's happening that's cool but it's like <laughs> it does it does a back facing picture and a front facing picture at the same time so mm-hmm. oh, oh yes the nukes are falling quick i have to sprint to the bathroom so i'll be an environmental skeleton like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah T- time to time to kiss my lover so that future generations will know gay people existed <laughs> now you just roommates. but like that no i feel like they would know because like you know it's like that poster of like the two skeletons kissing and it's like hey man at the end of the day we're all like i don't know we're all just two skeletons kissing it's like kind of an anti-homophobia meme like 
poster. Anyways. I'm going to break my ribs into a pattern that says I am gay. So that way <laughs> future generations will yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, what about Jennifer? Like, what's your, like... Um... <laughs> that Wait, was that my take on Nine Inch Nails explaining to you real? And then how my skeleton... I am oh. gay. Mine will say I am bi. And we, we all have to make... Rib art? This. How are we going to move our arms without our ribs to make the arrangements? This is going to take some thought. This. You know, what? I'll just listen to ribs by Lord and then I'll call it good. <laughs> I, I, re- I removed my ribs for another reason. But yeah, like, um, like, <laughs> like that'll be you about- during the, the volcanic explosion. Yeah. Be you. <laughs> Crouched down with less yeah, ribs than usual. <laughs> like, like, wow, he's so flexible. This guy is like less ribs than uh, human or whatever. Um, so that, that, that was like Michael's take on Nine Inch Nails. Uh, like yeah, totally. Jennifer, like um, and I stand you, by it. Yeah, <laughs> you, and you should. It's very brave. Um, what's your like? Um, after like kind of like reviewing, like playing these songs, and then speaking of us, how, what's your final like thoughts on like Nine Inch Nails? Uh, before we erase them from existence. So unfortunately, <laughs> I I fucking love Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> I have. I will. Uh, the, this music is so formative to me that it's hard to assess it objectively, uh, the, the albums that are on this level. But I think that once we once we finish up here today, I'm going to go back and listen to the albums that have come out really since. Then the last time that I saw them play live uh, was still before. I, I still say them, you know, because while Reznor did a lot of the early stuff by himself. A lot of other musicians are involved at various points. And now Atticus Ross is officially part of Nine Inch Nails. So, mm. you know, but I'm I'm going to go through, I, I would like to listen to definitely the two full albums um, that have come out and Hesitation Marks in 2013, actually. I That's actually the last time I saw Nine Inch Nails play live was in 2013. It was the first concert I ever went to completely by myself. Uh, Cause my partner was working and couldn't go. And that was amazing. I <laughs> concerts are like meant to be attended alone. Like incredible. You can stand where you want. You can do what the fuck you want. You don't have to be keeping up with your weird drunken friends. Right. And get <laughs> to the bathroom. Incredible. I had such a good experience with some, uh, random dude at that because i had i was like i'm too old to be in the pit now i'm getting out of here and was standing back you know out of the way where i can flail around by myself (laughs) and uh some dude joined me on on head like a hole and we just like you know jumped in a circle and screamed the lyrics at each other and and just like smiled and shook hands like yeah and walked off and never saw each other again it was great so that was sort of my temporary farewell to nine inch nails at the time like i love you i remember you fondly but i've got to do other things for now so i kind of missed out on hesitation marks when it came out after that but that's supposed to be his sort of more adult sequel uh to the downward spiral um it's about the same narrator who apparently instead of dying at the end of the downward spiral lived and had to cope and you know what's going on with that and then again i don't really know what bad witch is about the 2018 one so i need to check that out occasionally i'll put on if you if you like just the more atmospheric stuff with without lyrics to listen to the ghost albums of which there are many now are just completely environmental it's too scary (laughs) it's kind of scary (laughs) 
<laughs> totally scare the shit out of yourself, like walking the dogs at night. That's good to listen to you. I've mm. also been meaning, oh, uh, to listen to, have any of you all listened to the the Halsey one that he produced? Um, uh, apparently the, that's good. Yeah. Love. Oh, I'm not a woman. I am a God or I am. Is that yeah. the album? It's good. Yeah. It is really good. Some of my That's friends cool have recommended that, that so. to me and I want to check that one out as well. So I think I'm, I, you know, this has inspired me to do an adult, uh, yeah, a more adult, you know, I was of legal age, I guess, for most of the time I was, I was mm. listening to Nine Inch Nails heavily previously, but, but I'm, I'm ready to check out the new stuff. I feel like we're back. So yeah, that, y'all. And we're back. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, so thank you, Nine Inch Nails. Good job. Um, so like, um, well, Jennifer, thank you so much. You were such a great guest. So informative. I think thank we you. had like a fun chemistry. Um, what would you like to plug? Ooh, let's see. Okay. Well, first of all, I would like to plug You Should See the Other Guy, my podcast with East Dogs. Sadie and Samantha. Oh, I do I heard the intro to Samantha's and I knew y'all were gonna bring that up. I am the <laughs> The yeast hog dissenter for our family. <laughs> I uh, the other guys is a good name for like the fans. Yes. <laughs> like I tried to make that one stick, but the fandom chooses their own name, you know. And and it mm. wouldn't be any fun if one of us didn't hate it. So I have to. Yeah, like, absolutely. Here, yeah. So yeah, we. Uh, you should see the other guy or YSSTOG. Um, we we have fun. If you like podcasts, you should check us out. If you like podcasts that diverge from the mission to talk about a bunch of random shit, sometimes uh, it's like, yeah, it's like a, it's a like a movie podcast about like romantic comedies, and you you folks like um, basically like the premise is just like in a romantic comedy, there's an other guy, and then you kind of judge to see if like would they be better, like and stuff like that, and like, but it usually just devolves into bullshit. Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's good. I haven't listened yet, but I am excited to. Samantha I was on an episode. It was really good. She yeah. sold. She sold the concept to me as. No, she she recruited our rom-com expert, Sadie, saying that it was all going to be about rom-coms. And she got me on board saying that it was going to be about movies with love triangles. So we do have a lot of non-rom-coms that have snuck in through that. But yeah, basically. Venom, there will be carnage. <laughs> like, is it there? Andrew came on and talked about Little Women, uh, Greta Gerwig's Little Women with us. Yeah. And that was a blast. So yeah, yeah. The first time I'd seen it. And then immediately after we finished recording, I turned it off and watched Midsummer for the first time. So oh, Midsummer is so um, good. <laughs> yeah. That technically qualifies a near podcast too, I think. I know. Well, Samantha and I want to do it. That's one of her favorite movies, but Sadie has set a firm no Ari Aster boundary on the podcast. So Mm. (laughs) that one is banned currently. And let's see. The other thing that I do publicly that you can consume right now is I I am now writing astrology for them.us. So if you are uh, a queer person and want to know what the planets are going to do to you this week or month or want to know what lesbian period drama represents you or WNBA player or Beyonce Friday song, Friday, like, like Renaissance song. Yeah. You can, you can, Oh yeah, that one was so fun. So good. I love Renaissance. I'm so excited. I haven't listened to your episode about that from earlier this week, but I am definitely mm-hmm. going to it's Renaissance. <laughs> oh, awesome. Ooh, amazing. I loved the, I was so excited about the, um, Chris Gaines episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one. Then you guys mentioned him. 
Uh, Chris Gaines, the, I remember in my era of being like 14 years old, you know, <laughs> stopping for a second, like intriguing on a little square picture of Chris Gaines about this big. And then I found out it was Garth Brooks and was mortified that <laughs> you said on that episode that Chris Gaines, the wig makes him look kind of like Trent Reznor. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. So uh you can follow us at IBMTLTT on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow the show at uh you can follow me at Andrew A. Lee on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow Sean at Diebag Twink on Instagram. Uh you can follow uh Michael at Lemon Taco on Instagram and Twitter. And you can watch Moonlight on HBO Max streaming <laughs> now. <laughs> I guess so. Like, yeah, like, and you can follow my accounts are locked, but uh, if you would like, if you are a real person, you know, who like actually wishes to interact and you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram at J Culprit, yeah, I am there. Cool, yeah. So, uh, Jennifer, what song would you like to play us out with? Just any song in the world. Oh, any song in the whole world. I was going to go with Nine Inch Nails for the theme. You can do whatever, yeah. Yeah, do Nine Inch Nails. Okay, I'll take it back uh, to stick with the Nine Inch Nails theme. And since we did not uh, uh, discuss any pretty hate, well, we discussed it a little bit, but we didn't listen to any pretty hate machine for the podcast. Let's go back to the very first Trent Reznor Nine Inch Nails song unleashed upon the world and listen to Head Like a Hole. Wow. I don't know what that sounds like. Okay, thank you. I'm so <laughs> with ambition, Amber. I don't I get what I deserve. Hey, right. hello. I'm on a roll. <laughs> Isn't so that what the doing. Ashley O song from the Miley Cyrus Black Mirror episode? Isn't it like uh, interpolation of Head Like a Hole? Head Like a Hole, Black is Your Soul. I'd rather die. Yeah, than- yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's On a Roll by uh, Ashley O. <laughs> Oh, the one you serve. Yeah, no, I, I'm i not familiar with the Ashley O edition. But. <laughs> okay, you gotta be. <laughs> well, uh, th- thank you so much, everyone. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>